When in doubt, give the ball to Derrick Henry. The Mike Vrabel motto that gets the Titans to where they need to be. What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday night to everybody. I am Austin. To my right, as always, my co-host, Devin, who has made his illustrious return this week. Welcome back, sir. Yeah, happy to be back, man. Uh, you know, Monday nights, they're sacred. No, yeah, um, having a quarterback matters in the NFL, especially whenever they're not league average or below league average. Um, Derrick Henry is a monster, but Ryan Tannehill makes the biggest difference for this offense. Whenever he can actually play football, they're a far better team than whenever he can't. 333 yards and two touchdowns. Threw a pick in there, but I mean, hey, Derrick Henry had a hundred percent completion percentage for a touchdown. So now he now he might be the best quarterback on the team. He also had twenty eight carries for eighty seven yards and a touchdown. Once again, Titans control the pace of the game. They win by almost five minutes of uh, time of possession. Way more total yards, way more passing yards, more rushing yards, more yards per play. They were just better than the Packers in all facets of the game. The Packers had that upset over Dallas last week, but came back to earth pretty quick to what they actually were. And what they are is uh, not good. Not good out in Green Bay. Um, Traylon Burks had a uh, breakout game, so good for him on his second game. Back seven receptions for 111 yards. We're not used to seeing uh, Titans wide receivers really get out there. Uh, Christian Watson had another two touchdowns, so shout out to everybody who started him. <laughs> but that's all I got really for this. The better team won, honestly. Kind of the, the Titans have been great at putting pressure on the quarterback all year long. And Aaron Rodgers still had an okay game, two, 227 and two touchdowns, um, 24 for 39. But the run game per, basically non-existent. Uh, Aaron Jones, 12 carries for 40 yards. A.J. Dillon virtually non-existent again, six carries for 13 yards. There's not a whole lot going on for the Packers. Uh, I, I just think in the in, in the muddled start of the season that we had in the AFC South and how bad everybody looked, we kind of lost focus of how good this Tennessee Titans team is at its heart. They aren't like the Colts where they're just rotating players year in and year out. These aren't the Jaguars that haven't had a competent head coach uh at the helm since Tom Coughlin, and I'm talking about his first tenure in Jacksonville. And we're not talking about a team in Houston that let go of their franchise's best quarterback since I don't know when. Granted, there's baggage with that. But Tennessee re remained relatively unchanged. Yes, they got rid of A.J. Brown, and losing your top pass catcher will lead to a bit of dysfunction in the offense. But they replaced him in the offseason. I know Traylon Burks has missed about six weeks with his injury going to the IR, but this is a first-round talent, and he proved it this week with seven receptions, 111 yards. This is the guy who they thought they were drafting. And like it or not, Mike Vrabel is one of the best head coaches in football right now. He took a depleted roster last year. I mean a greatly depleted roster last year to the number one overall seed in the AFC, and he's right back in the thick of it this year. If Kansas City takes one misstep, I think Tennessee could have a shot to be the number one overall seed in the AFC. Henry is back, Tannehill's playing well, and they still have the best defensive tackle not named Aaron Donald on this defense and Jeffrey Simmons. This defense is really good, and the offense is vastly improving. 
Um, Green Bay has problems. Uh, Matt LaFleur isn't going to lose his job this season, but it's not looking great for his future prospects. Rodgers is going to continue to get older. Aaron Jones is paid an exorbitant amount of money, and the leading pass catcher can't be Randall Cobb for a playoff team. So Green Bay, figure it out, or you're going to get left behind. The only saving grace for them this week is that Minnesota lost. Because if Minnesota wins and Green Bay doesn't win this week, it's what, a six-game lead going into the final seven weeks of the season? It's insurmountable yeah, I mean, at that point. And it's, st- it's still a five-game lead going into the last seven weeks or six weeks of the season. Seven. But yeah, I, I, I hear you. The, the Vikings losing does help a little bit for the Packers to run the table if they really felt like they could. I, I don't think they will, but stranger things have happened. Um, and I don't think it's a hot take to say that Mike Vrabel to me is one of the best coaches in the game right now. Um, maybe even in the history of the Titans slash Oilers, um, he, what he has done with this team on multiple occasions is insane. Um, he's one bad Ryan Tannehill pick from moving on and beating the Bengals and who knows what that team could have kept on doing. Um, and he's really just in the wrong era of of life right now in football because the AFC is so stacked and he he hasn't had the luxury of having Mahomes or Burrow or Lamar or all these you know generational Justin Herbert all these generational quarterbacks he's done it with Ryan fucking Tannehill he's really out there fighting for his life yeah, Vrabel's 49 and 30 as a head coach. It's a 62% winning percentage. He's done nothing but answer the call for an organization that, besides their tenure with Jeff Fisher, really lacked an identity for the most part. This mm-hmm. uh this era of Titans football that has been ushered in since Vrabel took over has been one of the more successful that they've seen. So yeah, I think Vrabel doesn't get enough of his due. For sure. I, I think he uh, coach of the year last year, for sure. And that's yeah, not, yeah. Without a yeah, doubt. He's 110% deserving, not even close. Um, we shall move on from Mike Vrabel to Justin Fields and Marcus Mariota. Since Justin Fields became the best quarterback in the history of fantasy football, I don't think that's true, but since basically putting up insane numbers, he's 0-4 with two game-ending picks. So the fantasy results have been there, but the real life results have not. I don't blame Fields necessarily for like the pick six hurts. Obviously he's putting up over like 25 points per game over the last four. He had like 28 points minimum in the last three starts. This defense is not holding up their end of the bargain. And he didn't rush for 140 yards this week, but he put up 85 and a touchdown. Fields has been electric and him hitting, uh, the shelf with an injury isn't good for this Bears team, but I think it's the best case scenario. You have a roster that is in dire need of some skill at any position, whether it be perimeter defense, defensive line, perimeter weapons in terms of the uh, receivers. The only spots that are set are that starting quarterback with Justin Fields and probably running back with Khalil Herbert uh, due for a couple more cheap years after uh, Montgomery leaves in free agency. So, I don't think winning is at the top of their list this year. I think they're just looking to get the most draft capital as humanly possible. It's why we saw Roquan Smith get parted for earlier this year and Robert Quinn get traded off as well. They moved Cleo Mack for future second rounders. It's 
it's it's the way of the Phoenix. This this Bears team is ahead of schedule. They're putting up twenty plus points per game over a pretty solid sample of like uh, games. I, I I think Eberflus has unlocked something with Justin Fields and the way they're running this offense. The defense is just not talented enough or not nearly talented enough to keep up with any NFL offense, regardless of how dysfunctional the Atlanta Falcons are. Arthur Smith did help Mike Rabel coach some really efficient Tennessee offenses. So the Falcons are in the same spot they were last year, being a bad team with a decent record, which is not good for them at all. You have a quarterback who you don't believe in, in Marcus Mariota, and one of the better classes of quarterbacks. Well, that's it seems like hyperbole at this point. Every year it's a good quarterback class, and that's just not reality. Mm-hmm. But in a class where C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are the top two guys, I would love to be at least in the running to get one of those two. And with the way that the Falcons have played so far this year, they're not going to be in that running. And I just getting London, getting pits, you got to get the signal caller at some point because you can't let them run out their entire rookie scale deals and not have somebody to actually feed them the ball unless you want to sign them to cheaper deals because you couldn't get them stats in their first couple of years. But it, it just feels like wasted years. Every year they don't get the guy in there to actually feed the ball of these weapons. What's the point? And they already traded Ridley, so they understand the window is probably two, three years from now. But Mariota isn't the answer three years from now. She's not even the answer next week. And the thing is, like Desmond Ritter is just kind of sitting there. And yep. at this point, the Texans are probably going to have the number one overall pick. They're probably going to take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, whoever you think is better come that point. So you're going to have to pay. I don't think Houston's going to give up that pick unless it's an insurmountable amount of package I think, to get in I that think spot. they trade back if they get the first overall pick. I don't think they can. We'll get to Houston. We'll get because there's there's a whole lot for that too, I think. Um, but, any, but for the Falcons, regardless, it would take a lot of capital to move to yeah. one or two and go get one of those guys. And you already picked Desmond Ritter. Not that I'm saying you spent a high draft pick on Desmond Ritter. But you spent a draft pick on him means yeah. you got to believe in something in him. And at what point does he show up? And you know, maybe not right now without Kyle Pitts. I don't know if we're going to see Desmond Ritter this year at this point. But I feel like Desmond Ritter deserves to go out there with the weapons that you drafted, albeit Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And, Minus you know, Kyle Pitts way. now, he might be out for the year with the torn MCL. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean next yeah. year at this point because I, gotcha. I don't think Ritter. I don't think Ritter sees field at this point anymore. And yeah. I don't know, you know, what is going to go on in the backfield because Arthur Smith just doesn't make sense on who gets carries this and that Cordell Patterson returning kicks is still weird to me when he was your lead back. Like he got a kickoff return touchdown. So that's cool, but it's just still weird to me to have your lead back returning kicks. This team feels like they should be sellers at this deadline. I, I don't get why Cordero Patterson is still an Atlanta Falcon. It's because he was hurt for a bulk of the start of the year, but I think Patterson is a guy that a lot of teams could be – well, the trade deadline already passed, so it's not even an aspect of trading Cordero Patterson. But I, I would have thought a team like Atlanta would look into moving a guy like him if it weren't for the injury because Patterson is too talented to be playing on a team that's this average. Like you can't tell me there's not a handful of teams that would rather have Cordero Patterson than their second back. Like Naheem Hines went for some draft capital at the deadline to the bills. And you're telling me the bills wouldn't use Cordero Patterson. I just find that hard to believe it's 
the Falcons are gearing up year after year to be a team that thinks they have playoff aspirations, when in reality, they should have aspirations to picking in the top 10 because you can't operate like this without either trading a lot of capital or getting extremely lucky with players falling to you. And the Falcons have proven they're just an unlucky franchise. 28 to 3, the Vicarest. Like it's this this is not a fortunate franchise. Over the years, historically, the Falcons are not fortunate. Their best players tend to have their best years outside of the time with the franchise. Matt Ryan and Julio Jones being outliers. And the Vic situation was off the field, so it's not pertaining to him as an Atlanta Falcon, but my point still stands. This franchise mm-hmm. is not fortunate. They don't catch the breaks that other franchises seem to get. And for them to toil away at these 500 records or being two games below 500 when they could realistically bottom out and get far better talent. Like last year, they got a top five pick and they took a tight end. Like at, at, at what point? At what point do you draft difference makers? Because I or, or two years ago they got Kyle Pitts, but that's the point. It's like I understand that Kyle Pitts was the single best tight end prospect since pro- probably Gronk, if not that, even farther back, because Pitts has like the largest wingspan of any receiver in NFL history. He's a genetic freak. I get that, but you got to be able. You, weapons matter, but protection matters and defense matters, and this team feels like. I, I just don't know what identity they have. I don't trust the direction they're going in. I think Arthur Smith is a placeholder at this point because how many more 500 seasons can they really bank on before he's fired? Yeah. They're going nowhere fast. They're in no man's land, and that's the worst place to be. Well, and even their defense isn't like an all-beater, and like A.J. Terrell has the most touchdowns given up in direct coverage. So like even A.J. Terrell is kind of losing – his step I and mean, he's not that all pro quarterback that you once have. So really your, your top guys are getting older while you're not really using your young guys right now. So like, where, where are we going? Like you just stay in the middle of the road. That's all you're ever going to be. You're going to miss the playoffs by two or three games. You're going to draft poorly. And then it's rinse and repeat. That That's kind of where we're at. And like for the bears, they're kind of in a better spot. They have the number three overall pick right now. And they could use a guy like Will Anderson. Yep. Their defense is fucking terrible. They're yep. not taking a quarterback. It's it's not particularly close. So we pretty much know if they have picks one, two, or three, the Bears pretty much can take Will Anderson. Yep. And have an insanely good uh defensive lineman. Yep. So that I, I think that's exactly where they should be right now, is or an edge rusher. I'm sorry, Will Will Anderson's an edge rusher, but uh it would be a perfect place for him to go and even if you fall back to like fourth or maybe fifth you still have Jalen Carter you have Miles Murphy you have you know a lot of good defensive prospects that you're most likely going to draft in the top five at least the Bears have a direction yeah it's I'd much rather be a Bears fan than a Falcons fan at this point and granted I'd rather be a Bears fan over a Falcons fan for the entirety of the franchise because the Falcons still haven't won anything <laughs> and they've been around for God knows how long and that's like Devin you're wearing a Chargers hat I get it we suck too but at least like our <laughs> uniforms are cool Speaking of cool um, uniforms uh give Nick Sirianni some pads man after the Eagles won this game he was getting into it with some Colts fans like Nick Sirianni has to be the most intense head coach in football right now, which is actually it's it's interesting to me 
because there's some hotheads out there. I wouldn't want to mess with Robert Sala personally. Um, Dan Campbell. Sirianni, Dan Campbell, but Sirianni takes the cake. Preseason, he was cussing people out due to late hits here and there. Like, Sirianni's about it, and he's got this Eagles team humming. Regardless of how much they won by, they went into Indianapolis, took every punch they could, and they walked out with a W. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah, they really played sluggish a lot of this game. Jalen Hurts was under pressure. And, uh, you know, obviously, shout out to the Indianapolis Colts defense. They're still a top five defense in the league right now for the most part. They have great players, and they continue to hold teams mostly down low when Matt Ryan isn't turning the ball over at an enormous rate and giving them great field position. Um, they were sacking Jalen Hurts. They, you know, strip fumbled Jalen Hurts. They The Colts played good ball, and Jeff Saturday is doing what we've been saying to do for months, give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, 22 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown. It didn't win him the game, but it put him in a position to win, didn't it? It's weird what happens when you give your ball to the best player on your on your offense. It's not Matt Ryan. It's not Michael Pittman. Jonathan Taylor. Well, the Colts suck, and I I, I, don't, I genuinely don't think True. the head coach is going to change that. I don't think Jeff Saturday. I think Jeff Saturday is more of like a hood ornament than a head coach at this point. Uh, the entire staff is effectively the same. He brought in a play caller, an offensive coordinator. That's a guy that really had no experience calling plays. And yes, they won last week. It's the Raiders who so take that with a grain of salt. They played extremely well against a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. The Colts were a little banged up to start the year. The offensive line was a relative disappointment. This defense has been pretty solid all year. Stephon Gilmore has returned to being the shutdown guy that he was, for lack of better terms, in New England. He's still not as prolific as his MV defensive player of the year form, but he's very good right now. You're pairing that with a front where you've got DeForest Buckner and Yannick Ngakwe. They've got pieces on this defense, and if a defense this talented – the offense doesn't have to do a lot to win games, and they still can't do enough. This Colts team is just downright inefficient outside of Jonathan Taylor. Um, it's it's tough to watch. Michael Pittman is having his breakout, quote-unquote. Matt Ryan can't throw touchdowns. And sure, it's great because Chase McLaughlin is actually making kicks, something that Blake and Ship couldn't do for them over the last year and a half. But – the Colts still have all the problems they had with Frank Reich. It's just Jim Irsay has a new coat of paint on it, and he's doing what he can because he hired a new head coach. But the Colts are still in a really bad spot. I think out of all of the teams in the league, even though the Falcons are playing for just mediocrity, the Colts have traded away a bunch of draft capital for effectively a revolving door at quarterback. There's, there's no end in sight. Unless Derek Carr gets cut, in the offseason because they want to save the cap hit and the Colts bring him in. I don't know how they improve from Matt Ryan in the offseason without moving some serious draft capital. And, and there's no, like you said, unless Derek Carr gets cut, there's no real quarterback. Maybe really Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Aaron Rodgers. But that's a lot of draft capital to get a guy like him on that kind of contract. Brady isn't going to leave Tampa Bay for Indianapolis. Yeah, it's you're looking at very old quarterbacks, which they have been, or you're hoping that one of these dudes just doesn't get re-signed. And if the Raiders really do cut ties to Derek Carr, he would be the best guy available since Rivers was the guy they brought in. And Rivers was on the downturn at that point. Yeah, and Rodgers turns 39 in a couple weeks. 
when you get him, you'd be putting him in his age 40 season. And even if they get a new quarterback, is Michael Pittman truly a wide receiver one? I don't, I, I don't think he is. The thing about the Colts, never they had uh, Rivers and Brissett was T.Y. Hilton was still on top of the world. He was still a productive wide receiver. And yes, Michael Pittman is productive. I just don't see him being the true one. You look at these guys. You've got your A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams. You name it, Jamar Chase. They, they just kind of have it. And I don't think I see it in Michael Pittman Jr. And that's something that kind of concerns me. You've got an offense that is built around a lot of bodies and a superstar in Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor needs help. And Pittman could be a great too. But under the current construction of this team, unless they bring in a pass catching tight end or someone to relieve some pressure off of him, I don't trust Pittman to be a, we get you the ball 15 times. I don't see him being a 10 to 15 target guy and coming down with nine receptions. I don't think he's that good one-on-one. He is a big body. Like he's more Claypool than he is Deontay Johnson, if that makes sense. More Mike Williams than Keenan Allen which is great. He's athletically a very imposing presence, but I just, I don't know if he has that it factor to truly put him over everybody else in the depth chart. Like Paris Campbell is producing in a very similar way to what Michael Pittman's been doing this year. And Paris Campbell was written off as like the fourth receiver in this offense. So I I just don't see that in Indianapolis. The Colts aren't good. They're not going to be good this year. They're playing for. They're not going to be good moving forward. It's it's what we've been saying for weeks. There's no there's no real future for this team right now. It really isn't. I don't know. I don't know what they do for the Eagles. They're nine and one. They're playing great. They're playing. They're going to host the a playoff ball. game this year. That's just how it. Uh, that, yeah, that's how it plus. is. They're they're, they're, they're most likely NFC East champions at this point, unless barring a collapse. Um, they have a full two-game lead over the Giants and the Cowboys, and they do just enough to win most of the time. They've had some close calls this year, but in the end, when you walk out with the W, that's the only thing that really matters. And the Eagles got the hardest part out of the way. They lost already. That was the biggest thing for me. I was like, if they don't lose soon, I don't see how when they lose, and I think that's a huge problem to have going into the playoffs because yeah. they got just beat. The Commanders beat them, and the Colts beat them for most of this game, but they were able to genuinely pull it out of their hat. They put up 14 points in the fourth quarter. Whenever it mattered, they won the game. And seeing that out of them is something that I think we needed to see. They've been legit all year. They finally dropped a game and they responded. So until proven otherwise, the Eagles are still legit. Speaking of uh, proving otherwise, Zach Wilson, still not proven it's me. Man, he has to be the worst quarterback in his draft class. How do you play four quarters of NFL football, throw the ball 22 times, and only have 77 yards to to call it for for it for the day? Um, This is a game of effectively, like, this felt like golf in in a sense. The team that made the least amount of mistakes won the game. And because relatively speaking, it was just two defenses saying, yeah, try me. And at the end of the day, the special teams won this game for the Patriots. Um, Zach Wilson's terrible. The rushing attack was also terrible. And I just, I don't see any upside in Zach Wilson. He's undersized. He played in a terrible conference in college, did not face NFL level talent throughout his entire college career and got drafted second overall. 
because he's got that dog in him. I don't get it. I never will get it. I, I, I didn't understand the draft profiles where Justin Fields was falling and I, I just did not see it. Zach Wilson never leapt off the page as the arm talent guy. Like at least with Herbert, he has a cannon. At least with Trey Lance, he can run. He's bigger. They're they're athletes. Zach Wilson just screams to me. I, I've said it before, Johnny Manziel. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's the attitudes. Maybe it's the builds. But from everything I've seen out of Zach Wilson, I don't feel like I've seen anything. And it'd be one thing if he was a rookie, but this is year two now. And Joe Flacco still beating him out for reps. Joe Flacco hasn't beaten anybody since I believe like two years after his Super Bowl run. So I, you, you can't make it make sense. Um, Bill Belichick, he owns the Jets for lack of better terms. Mac Jones, hell of a performance. 23 for 27, 246 yards. Did not turn the ball over. That's big. That's all Mac Jones has to do most weeks, and they should be competitive because the Patriots' defense is one of the best, if not the best, in football. They've got playmakers all around. Jack Jones has been an insane rookie, probably defensive rookie of the year at this point, and the duo of Stevenson and Damian Harris is pretty damn good. It's it's just more of the same. The Jets were fun, but... Without Brees Hall, I don't know how good – with Brees Hall gone and no Zach Wilson, I think the Jets are one of the worst teams in football. Their defense keeps them alive in games, but their offense can't do anything. Like, they mustered 103 yards in this game. That is just downright insane. I think Zach Wilson has – Talent, obviously. I think he has good arm strength. I like his escapability. I like what he can do with his legs. There's things about Zach Wilson I like. But the biggest thing about being a star in this game is connecting the talent with the mind and having both. Obviously, your superstars have both. They have the mind to go with the talent. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, all the greats. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's mind looks elsewhere on game day. He's missing his first reads. He's missing, he's missing every read possible. He's missing Braxton Berrios and Garrett Wilson open. He's just not, he's not reading the field. He makes terrible decisions after escaping the pocket. There, his mind is just completely not on the game, it looks like. And I'm not saying he looks disinterested. This isn't like a Kyler Murray joke, Call of Duty, or anything like that. It just, he simply cannot make the correct decision practically ever. Now, I will say, I will give him, he hit Devin McCourty right in the chest and Devin McCourty dropped it. So come on, like, that's that's ridiculous. Um, so shout out to Zach Wilson, he hit him right in the chest. Um, the Jets averaged 2.77 inches per play. Now, to, to me, 2.7 inches is pretty average. It's, it's fine. Um I think it's, you know, easily, you know, can satisfy. But not in football. Not in football. Not good at all, actually. Um, Devin, 55 quarterbacks since 2018 have played at least 500 plays. Yeah. Zach Wilson ranks 54th in EPA per play. Mm -hmm. Who do you think's 55? Jamarcus Russell. 
No, since 2018. Since 2018. Oh, Nathan Peterman? Josh Rosen. Oh, wow. That's bad. Only Josh Rosen averages a lower EPA per play than Zach Wilson. That's how bad Zach Wilson's been. Um, and the fact that he did not even take credit after the game. Do you feel like you let your defense down? You let your fucking defense down, Zachary. <laughs> you let your fucking defense down. You put up three points after passing for 355 yards on this same defense. And I'm pretty sure they didn't have Brees Hall in that game either, if I remember right. I'm pretty sure Brees Hall was already out at that point. Yeah, he blew his knee out against Denver. Yeah, and like, so what, what, when you say no, I don't feel like I let my, my defense down, then what, what did you do today? What, what, what did you, I, I sat here and watched Red Zone for eight hours, and I feel like I did more production than Mac Wilson. So now, so now what do the Jets do? They have a top five defense. They have the best running back out of the draft. Granted, he's hurt, but he's coming back next year, obviously. He's a dynamic player. They have a good front. It's beat up a little bit, but when they're healthy next season, they're a damn good football team outside of the quarterback position. So now we're kind of looking at the same situation with the Colts, but the Jets in this situation are a better team. Do they go get Aaron Rodgers? Because Joe, Joe Flacco or Mike White will start on Sunday. Or at least They're they gonna, should. They should trade for a quarterback or try and lure somebody out in free agency. Like genuinely, that's that that's the answer for this team. Uh, Salah wasn't brought in to lose games. This is a team that has talent. They have talented receivers. Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, and Corey Davis is an above-average receiving uh, group. Brees Hall, whenever he's going to come back healthy, uh, should be a top 15 running back in the league. Their offensive line is greatly improved whenever Vera Tucker comes back. This team is built to win now, especially in their division. Um, obviously, the Bills are the class of the division. Obviously, right now, the Dolphins are leading the division, but I think what the Bills have sustains a bit better than what the uh, Dolphins have going because we've seen Tua without Tyreek and without Jalen Waddle, and we're seeing Tua with them. So we have a window here for the Dolphins. But at the same time, the Jets are younger. The Jets probably have more money to spend. And I just, for as good as the division is, the time is now to compete. You have rookie-scale contracts. You have the talent. You have to maximize it as much as you can. And so I don't know how they get a better quarterback, but if they refuse to get a better quarterback, they're just going to be league average or far below it because Zach Wilson is not the answer. And we've seen quarterbacks with arguably more talent get less opportunity. Geno Smith, uh, former New York Jets quarterback, now superstar on the Seattle Seahawks. Um, even a guy like Drew Locke. Um, I, do I think Drew Locke is an immensely more talented than Zach Wilson? No, but I think they're pretty damn similar. And that's a problem. Um, it's, 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 it's just not a good look. It is not a good look at all for the jets. And it sucks because what should have been their best season since, uh, the Sanchez was playing out there. Shout out Mark Sanchez, their, their best seat. What was going to be their best season since the Rex Ryan jets is now just another lost year because their quarterback can't complete more than 40% of his passes. And yes, Zach, you didn't just let down your defense. You let down the jets organization. Which, you know, is fair. It's what he's done since he's been drafted. So, teach their own. For the Patriots, 
Bill Belichick against first year and second year quarterbacks continues to still be good. Their defense played outstanding. Um, and the punt was a seriously hilarious way to end the game. Um, but they are third in the division, obviously trying to keep pace with the Bills and the Dolphins. Obviously, if I hate, I always hate saying this phrase. If if the playoffs started today, the whole AFC East would make the playoffs, which I think is hilarious. But the playoffs don't start today, and they don't start for a while. But the Patriots have still kept pace in a very tough division in a very tough conference. So shout out to them for still playing good football. Mm-hmm. Uh, albeit between the Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones uh, debacle that we had for five minutes. Um, So we're all glad that's over. Speaking of glad it's over. um... I still don't like Taylor Heineke. I never will. Not going to. You can't news flash, newsflash to Lovey Smith and personnel in uh, Houston. If Davis Mills is your leading rusher, you're not going to win a lot of games. Uh, for a, as bad as the commander's defense has been over the last couple of years, um, the Texans did not get the memo. Um, the commanders steamrolled the, te- the Texans in this game. Davis Mills couldn't really connect with his own uh, teammates, so he was throwing it to uh, the commanders. Uh, Antonio Gibson, as I said before, should have a decent game. He's a more talented back than Brian Robinson, and he's proven that this matchup. Him getting 18 carries was very surprising, in my opinion, but a welcome addition to his usage. As much as Ron Rivera has been a disappointment out in uh, Washington, Taylor Heineke hasn't. I know he's not a starter, but at the same time, he's a bag man. He secured a contract for himself and Terry McLaurin, so he's a legend forever for doing that. Um, Texans are just bad. They should should have traded away Laramie Tunsil. this is a team that's effectively spare parts. If you go down the entire uh, roster of the Houston Texans, you will find names that belonged to other teams less than two, three years ago. Brandon Cooks, he's great. Effectively, he's spare parts in the NFL. Every team has traded him because he's Brandon Cooks. Uh, O.J. Howard, spare parts. Dare Angumbuale, I'm sure you people have forgotten about that name. There's a reason for it. Philip Dorsett has been an active member of this offense. Former Charger Desmond King, Christian Kirksey, like you, you go through their roster and outside of their high draft picks over the last couple of years, this is a team that is held together by fringe guys. And a roster full of fringe guys is not good enough to compete with even the worst teams in the NFL, as evidenced by this game. This is the game right here that solidifies to me that they can't move out of the first first overall pick. Davis Mills cannot cannot keep playing football for the Houston Texans. It they need a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud to get going. And right now, if the Browns keep fucking losing, they're gonna have two top ten picks. So really, at that point, I feel like they really don't need to move out of the first pick because you can go out and get your franchise guy. Now, I, I couldn't tell you right now who's better between Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I would have to actually research it and watch college football than I do, but. I feel like one of those guys is a Houston Texan and it's not particularly close. And you move on, you look down the line and right now they're mocked to pick at seven and they're mocked to pick an, an offensive tackle protecting your franchise guy. Sure. Why the fuck not? <laughs> He's not going to have a whole lot of people to throw to, but you got Damian Pierce. Who's been a breath of fresh air for the most part outside of this game. Brandon cooks is mad. Nico Collins is 
eh. Chris Moore, never heard of him. So obviously, yeah, it's held by fringe guys, and there's a lot of work to do across the board, and Lovey Smith is a bridge to whoever they feel like they can get maybe next year or the year after that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good head coach, head coaches that uh, – a lot of good coaches that could be head coaches next year to fill vacancy, so maybe Lovey Smith is out after a year. Um, but this game to me shows me that they, Davis Mills was cool last year, but it cannot continue. They need to go get a franchise guy at this point. Yeah. Davis Mills is a great story. Um, he went to Stanford, alma mater of Andrew Luck, but he's he's not the answer there. I think he could get I think he could be like Gardner Minshew and get some shine somewhere else, the right situation. But he's not the answer for the Texans, and the Texans need to find more answers because every single year they just pile on more questions. Yeah. For the commanders, six and five. At some point we'll need a quarterback. Um because Dale Heineke just it is not it. I mean, he he went 15 for 27 and a buck 91. Not really a whole lot going on. Didn't really need to do a whole lot per se. Um, he technically gets the win, but they only put up three points in the second half, which is kind of disturbing against the Houston Texans. And, but I, I don't know. The, the Commanders are six and five, and I guess that's all that really matters right now. But I feel like I feel like this team still has a lot of work to do moving forward because. If the Giants are going to keep playing the way they, they are moving forward, they're going to be a problem in the division. The Eagles obviously going to be a problem in the division, and the Cowboys are constantly going to be attempting to win. The Cowboys are like the New York Yankees. There's no such thing as rebuilding. It's win now, always. There's We don't, we don't rebuild around here. Um, so everybody above them is playing better than them, so I feel like they just need to take this time and – they don't really have anybody to trade for draft capital, so they can't really get draft capital. Um, they're picking in the, let's see, where are they at? The 17th slot right now, which isn't too great. They're mocked to take a tackle, which is fine, but that doesn't really fix their quarterback problem. But there's probably not a quarterback for them at 17 anyways. Speaking of bad quarterbacks, Andy Stat Dalton. Padford. The man of the hour, Stat Patford. Uh, it sucks whenever Cooper Cup can't play because, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford has to think for once. Granted, whenever he was thinking, he was able to throw two touchdowns and no picks, which is surprising because uh, Matthew Stafford was opening up his own uh, breakfast shop called uh, Matt's Turnovers, um, specialized in apple and uh, custard. But the thing is, the Rams tried to control this game to the best of their ability. They really did, for lack of better terms, until that third quarter. Um, Cam Akers was efficient for once over the last two years. 4.4 per carry isn't completely ideal, but it's better than what you've gotten out of him. Um, Chartarius, or, uh, so Atwell, 2-2 Atwell, got a touchdown catch. 62-yard bomb, that helps Stat, uh, Stat Padford's uh, day. Um, it's tough Alan for Matt Stafford. Allen Robinson had a touchdown. Tyler Higby had a decent day. The defense isn't what it was last year. That happens whenever you go from Von Miller to Bobby Wagner. That happens whenever you lose John Johnson and uh, I forget the corner's name. They both went to the Browns two years ago. This is a defense that's held together by Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey, and a bunch of rubber bands. Um, and it also doesn't help that they're just not as healthy as they were last year. Granted, it's 
sour grapes. They just lost to a team that's had even more sour grapes throughout this season. The guy who they wanted to be their franchise guy hasn't played more than two games. Andy Dalton, while he has had throwback performances this year, is not the answer at quarterback for any franchise. And if you think I'm wrong, then you need to read a book. Andy Dalton has passed his prime. And Dennis Allen is getting extremely creative, which is extremely frustrating for people like you and I, because Alvin Kamara only gets 12 carries per game. Chris Olave is the best receiver on the field for another week of his pro career. Um, For every reason in the world, this Saints team should be picking in the top five. They aren't. Because while they are incredibly close to the salary cap and they are also incredibly injured, they also are incredibly good whenever it comes down to just playing football. They have the veteran defense. They have extreme talent at positions on offense. And Dennis Allen doesn't shoot himself in the foot, which is something the Rams so far this year seem to just not be able to not do. They didn't turn it over this week, which is great. But they lost the penalty battle. New Orleans had two flags for a total of 15 yards. The Rams gave 40 yards to the Saints before even accounting for a fumble or a turnover-worthy play. It's... It's just wild to me. This Rams team was so dominant in that playoff run, and they were so efficient. But whenever the well runs dry, you hit bottom. And I I know this is a talented unit, Austin, but I just there, – there's nowhere to go but down from here. Donald is a guy that, like, I think doesn't have much to prove. Jalen Ramsey is a guy that's not going to waste prime years of his career – toiling away on a terrible team. And Matthew Stafford didn't come to Los Angeles to not make the playoffs. He could have done all that in Detroit. So true. There, 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 there's a clock ticking and every second we're talking, it's continuing to count down. I don't know when they're going to blow it up, but eventually something has to give because this window is like right now and maybe two years down the road. But after that, I don't know what else happens because they're not young. They're not super talented either. They have elite talent at like four or five spots, and they just have professional athletes to kind of hold the rest of it together. Well, so here, here's the thing, too. So Jalen Ramsey has an opt-out after next season, uh-huh. which would be he would be uh, 30 going into the 2024 season. Um, so I feel like if they're going to be this bad this year, they're going to be just as bad next year. Ramsey's gone. That's easy trade, you know, a trade piece to take. Aaron Donald could retire at any point. He would he had to be talked out of it after a Super Bowl. So, like you said, he doesn't really have a whole lot to prove. He's got his Super Bowl. If this team is going to be terrible, why is he wasting his body at this point? Matthew Stafford's falling apart. And you reap what you sow. You were a one-dimensional football team that couldn't run the ball, and your first read was Cooper Cup, then, now, and forever. And now that Cooper Cubs done for the rest of the season, your leading receiver is Tutu Atwell. That's not going to win football games. This, this defense isn't a world beater like it was last season. This offense isn't as good through the air as it, it as it was last season. This this team is really bad. They're one of the worst defending Super Bowl champions we've ever seen. They're three and seven, and they're really not looking good moving forward. They have to play the Chiefs next week. You think they're going to beat the Chiefs? Probably not. No. They can't beat Andy fucking Dalton, who I think shouldn't even be stuck. He had a great game, don't get me wrong. He went 21 for 25, 263 touchdowns. I think it's ridiculous that Jameis Winston, they brought back Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston gets hurt and loses his job to Andy Dalton. And and some of the Andy Daltons, 
some of the Andy Dalton performances that I've seen should have gotten him benched. It, 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 I don't know what the Saints are doing. They don't even have first-round pick because they wanted Chris Olave so bad. Michael Thomas may never see a field again. Alvin Kamara doesn't see the ball. So what, what is this team doing? What, what, the Saints, these two teams are really going nowhere. Both have no future whatsoever, and the Saints are probably $800 million over cap right now, like they always are. Yeah, it, it just feels like two franchises that are just kind of getting passed by. Like, they they both have operated under similar uh, constraints. The Saints were constantly trying to keep Breeze in fashion with weapons and a defense. And the Rams finally wised up and said, we're going to try and maximize this unit by getting that quarterback in there. Sadly, they didn't realize his elbow was going to be an issue. And they also didn't realize that they couldn't keep all the talent on that same roster without coughing up a very pretty penny. It's, it's, it's not a good outlook. Either way you look at it, both sides of the coin are just kind of bad. Yeah, Matt Stafford's 34 years old. He'll turn 35 after the end of the season, and he still has four more years on his contract as a Ram. He has a potential out after the 2025 season, but is his elbow going to make it that far? Nope. Quarterbacks tend to fall off after their age, like 35, 36 season. And you're not Tom Brady, and you're, you've never been Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think I'm going to lean on the side of Matthew Stafford aging gracefully. Because yeah, if, you, if, you look at, if you look at his attempts, this isn't a guy that was throwing 400 times a season. His one, two, three, fourth year in the league, he led the league with 777, 727 pass attempts. This is a man that consistently is over 500. He threw it 600 times last year. He's got 70, he's got 7,000 career attempts. This is a high mileage situation and a guy yeah. that I'm not sure is going to be able to keep up that pace much longer. Jacoby Brissett had the game of his life and it wasn't enough. Jacoby Brissett, 28 for 41, 324 yards, three touchdowns. Mari Cooper had eight catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns on the road, which is which is basically like 20 catches for 400 yards and eight touchdowns for Amari Cooper. So, um, but Josh Allen, <clears throat> excuse me, take it away while my voice uh, goes away for some reason. Tredavious White is really good at football, and the bound and the and the uh, Buffalo Bills aren't that great at football without Tredavious White out there. Just think of the Rams without Jalen Ramsey, or think of I don't know the Colts without Stephon Gilmore. Having a good having a good to great cornerback is really transformative for any defense because a lot of teams do their most the most of the da- most of the damage through the air. Um, Nick Chubb had his quietest day since like his rookie year. He went 14 carries for 19 yards. This man has averaged five yards per carry for his career. This Bills front is legit at Oliver, Vaughn Miller, uh, Greg Rousseau. It is a murderer's row of just big bodies in that front for Buffalo. It makes sense why Nick Chubb didn't have his way with this defense. But like you said, Jacoby had a day and this is kind of the problem the Bills are facing. If there is a good enough quarterback and skilled enough uh, perimeter players, they're going to get eaten up a little bit. Um, 324, three touchdowns. Cooper had a day. Donovan Peoples-Jones also chipped in really well. The Bills need Tredavious White. It's point blank. The Bills without Tredavious White are a good team. They are 
right in the thick of it and making the playoffs in earshot of their division. But without Tredavious White, I don't think they're even close to being the favorite in the AFC. This is a defense that dominates in the run and can't seem to slow down even the most average of uh, uh, signal, signal, signal callers. Um, we saw them lose to Zach Wilson literally like a week ago. This is a two-game losing streak for a team that on paper was supposed to be the best team in the AFC. Um, Josh Allen also needs to step it up. I know he has the elbow injury, but what he's doing is not going to cut it, especially in how competitive the AFC truly is. And it sucks because now he's finally getting production from his running backs. So it, it, it's got to turn into this thing where you get it from Josh and the running backs, not from the running backs or Josh. I mean, yeah, that is, I think that was one thing to come out of this game that really surprised me is that Devin Singletary had 18 carries for 86 yards. James Cook had 11 carries for 86 yards. Devin Singletary scored a touchdown. Josh Allen didn't break 200 yards. Um, he didn't rush at all. He had three carries for seven yards. And they won all this despite despite that, despite Josh Allen not being a world beater. And that's what this team has needed. They've needed Devin Singletary to be the lead rusher. And he's actually had a good couple of last games. And it, I think they saw what Jeff Wilson did to the Browns and how the Browns rush defense was just not very good. And Devin Singletary took advantage of that. Jay Cook, like I said, had a good day. So that's, that's kind of what this team needs. Like Josh Allen, yes, needs to be better. He needs to have better stats in that situation. Needs to break 200 yards, you know, throw for multiple touchdowns. But to win despite all that is, is kind of where they need to be. They need to be able to run the ball on a consistent basis without it being Josh Allen all the time. Yeah. For the Browns, they're 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 waiting. They're, they're waiting. Three and seven is about where I had them before uh, the second coming of Deshaun. Um, I still don't believe he's going to be an instant translator. I do think Amari Cooper ticks up. I think Peoples Jones ticks up. The pass catchers have a higher upside with Deshaun Watson playing quarterback. I don't know if the team is that much better off. Yeah, this season feels somewhat lost and you can't afford for it to be a lost season whenever you don't have your first round picks. This game made no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, it makes complete sense if you think about it. It's the Carolina well, Lamar's been bad. Doesn't matter. The True. Ravens are good. Baker Mayfield was even worse. Lamar's usual. bad. The Ravens are good. They get him on a better contract for themselves. Lamar's less bad than his pass catchers are terrible. Demarcus Robinson having 128 yards is a gift from the uh, who gods. Oh, Debo Samuel is breaking off a massive uh, run and score. I digress. Demarcus Robinson cannot be your leading receiver if you want to be a playoff bound like Super Bowl contender. Mark Andrews is back. That's nice. Kenyon Drake is your starting running back. That is not nice. The Ravens have failed to give Lamar adequate help and it shows this is a team that is better than the Panthers in every aspect of the game and could barely beat them by 10 points. Do I need to say more? I, I don't think that I do. Baker Mayfield is all as bad as Zach Wilson and like four years older, whatever it is. Deonta Foreman. I hope you didn't start him because we told you not to. Um, Deontay Foreman, don't watch ESPN, Adam Scheffner, all this, all that. Shout out Adam Scheffner. But yeah, the, the, this, this was a game that I think the Ravens probably 
played a play, play down a bit to their competition against the Panthers. But whenever you're playing down to the Panthers, as long as you like just take a step or two up the staircase, you're not really in any danger of losing the game. Which yeah. again leads me to say, Arthur Smith, what were you doing? It's it's so weird. The weekly variance team to team is just it's it's hard to explain. Lamar Jackson weeks one through three had twelve touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson weeks four through eleven, seven touchdowns. But the defense has stood up in that time where Lamar was basically trying to carry them uh, insanely, but. They're seven and three. They lead the division. They have that win over the Bengals. So they're in, they're sitting pretty right now atop the division. They obviously did enough to win. And like we always say, that's all that. I I think it's a bit unfair to criticize Lamar for his touchdown output. He was electric to start the year, but Mark Andrews had been out since week eight. Rashad Bateman played three games. He's been throwing to uh, Devin Duvernay and Demarcus Robinson and Isaiah like (laughs) his top three weapons. That's like making. Take that's, that's like if I'm going to give Justin Herbert the benefit of the doubt with uh the injuries their uh receiving cores had, I'm going to give Lamar these same benefits of the doubt. I get it, his touchdown production is down. The weapons he have he has currently are worse than what they were to start the year. If you have worse weapons, the production probably will be worse. Was anybody freaking out about CD Lamb whenever he wasn't producing with Cooper Rush to the level that he produces with Dak? It's the way that it works. Talent leads to production. Whenever talent is void, you can't really blame the person that Lamar can't catch the ball. Is, is all I'm going to say. Yeah. So for them to be seven and three with the amount of injuries they've had following last year's uh, season from hell, this is the best case scenario. They're still in relative control of their division. They still are in the driver's seat in the AFC North, and the Bengals are right behind them, and they've had their own uh, struggles, but. After everything that's been going down, I think Baltimore can hang their heads high, even with a marginal win. Mm-hmm. Anthony Lynn is where he belongs. Are we near the goal line? Halfback dive. Nothing but halfback dives for Anthony Lynn. Nothing but halfback dives for Jamal Williams. 17 carries, 64 yards. Three touchdowns. Now... Devin, DeAndre Swift got a touchdown, so don't fret. Five carries, 20 yards, and a touchdown. He's um, averaging six yards a carry this year, dude. Like, he's the best player with the least amount of usage in the league. And it's, it, makes, it's, it makes as much sense to me as much as it makes sense to you. I'm not saying Jamal Williams is a bad player, but the fact that he's taking all this volume away from DeAndre Swift blows my mind. And the thing is, too, if you look at it from a fantasy football perspective, we love DeAndre Swift. He's a good receiving back. He's a good back in general. But Jamal Williams is sniping just about everything like Taysom Hill was sniping Alvin Kamara on a weekly basis. But at some point, it's going to flip. It has to flip. DeAndre Swift at some point is going to have his three-touchdown game. We just don't know when. And I can't we it's hard to tell people to start Swift week to week and you know not start Jamal Williams because we see this every week. We just see Jamal Williams take everything. Jared Goff was 17 for 26 for a buck sixty-five. He didn't have to do shit. Lions yeah. had a great game. They've won three in a row. It's 
the, the Lions offense has always been good this season. It's not like they were bad to start the year. Sure. They were literally like leading the league in scoring and they were the worst defense in football. The Giants offense is held together by Saquon Barkley and a ragtag bunch of receivers. Daniel Jones had his best game of the season and he threw two picks. Like Saquon did not show up in the way that he has this year. And Brian Dable is a head coach, not a wizard. He's lost almost every ounce of talent that he had to start the year. Wandale Robinson had his breakout game of nine receptions and 100 yards. It's just sad that his knee decided to part ways as soon as the uh, season was starting to come together for him. He's out for the year with a torn ACL. And after him, it's Slate and Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. Kenny Galladay has only been good for the signature he gave whenever he signed with this team. It's if the receivers for Lamar are bad, the Giants receiving core is worse. And on a day that Saquon can't get it done, you're going to have to find very creative ways to win games. The the Giants go as Saquon does, and he just didn't this week. And it shows in the scoreboard. Um, Jamal Williams is a very talented runner. There's a reason why Detroit paid him to come out there, especially whenever he was in Green Bay for so long. My thing with Jamal Williams is Jamal Williams gets more carries because he's a more physical back. He doesn't go horizontally. He goes vertically. He's a rusher that's going to get you those yards whenever you're moving forward. Swift is more laterally quick. He's able to be shifty. He's able to get into space, and that's great. But Dan Campbell and Deuce Staley do not value that in this offense. They would much rather have their running back go north-south and just plow forward for three, four yards and hold on to the ball. And Williams has made every single use of that opportunity. And I bet Melvin Gordon wishes he was in Detroit right now because it's the role that he should have had in uh, Denver. But, you know, Melvin Butterfingers Gordon, it's it's just tough. It, it, it's, it, it's the thing of real football versus fantasy football. If you look at the tape, Swift is the more talented player. Williams, by far, is the far. He's just a far more productive player under current uh, construction. And for the Giants, they lose Wandale Robinson and Dory Jackson. Um, I don't know how many times we've got to say it, but these guys shouldn't be playing on turf. It, it's getting ridiculous at this point of non-contact injuries that these guys are getting. Now, I don't personally know if Dory and Wandale's were non-contact. Um, I didn't see the play where they got hurt. I just hear the diagnosis afterwards. Um, The NFL generated more than $16 billion in revenue in 2018 alone. They can't afford to uh, water some grass. No, no, we're in a drought. It's, it's a joke. It it really is. It, there's no reason for these guys. And I, you, you can say it all you want. Like these guys get paid millions of dollars, whatever they're crybabies, whatever, however you feel about these guys, you watch football for a reason, whether you want to complain about it or not. Nobody deserves to tear their ACL running on a field. This shit hurts. It's painful. The thing about it is these players have a very limited, they have a very limited space and time where they can make their money. And yeah, every professional athlete is extremely fortunate for the situation that they are in, in terms of being a professional athlete, but they are a finite resource. Running backs have about five years until they're shipped off because they're too old. Wide receivers get about one and a half big paydays. Quarterbacks are protected classes, so they play for 20 years. But not every NFL player has the benefit of being able to shrug off a season-ending injury. 
these these guys that are fringe roster additions, if they blow their Achilles, they blow their knee, that could be it. That could be their shot. And it just makes no sense to me that a league that's worth this much money is shortchanging it by creating so many turf fields. I get it. Being able to multi-purpose fully use uh, stadiums is great. But at the same time, if you want to coin yourself the best league in the entire world in terms of uh, football or just contact sports, you would think they would provide the most uh, safe and uh, nice playing conditions for these players. Mm -hmm. Because look at the NBA. Every court is regulation. Every court has the mop people. Like It's very unified. I think they should just transition to fully grass fields or go fully turf. Because I genuinely think playing on different surfaces, it takes a toll, point blank, going from grass to turf to turf to grass. Either make a uniform NFL field or you're going to continue to get complaints. Derek Carr has the best winning percentage in overtime with at least 10 games played. And if the Broncos scored 18 points in regulation every single game this season, they would be nine and one. Um, I said it last week in the chat of the episode. I'm picking the Raiders because they can play offense and offense. They played Devonte Adams is better than your favorite receiver. Russell Wilson <laughs> is worse than your favorite quarterback. Unless you're a Jets fan. The Broncos suck. Nathaniel Hackett isn't a head coach. Melvin Gordon isn't in a, he's not the Broncos running back anymore. And Russell Wilson hasn't played quarterback since he was in Seattle last year. Not only did he break his thumb, but he lost. He did the Monstars show up to Seattle and take his secret stuff. I don't get it. Uh, the danger, which has sapped him of all of his power. Um, there's a running ticker on TikTok talking about, it's a countdown to see how long it's going to take for Russell Wilson to have more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his house this season. We're at week 11. He has 11 bathrooms in his house. He has seven touchdowns on the season. And they paid this man how much money? Um, Denver's like Indy and the fact that they uh, had a great a great renaissance whenever they brought in an aging quarterback. They signed Peyton, so then they didn't have to give up draft capital. And they said, well, we brought in Peyton. And everything went great. And they said, well, who's the best available right now? And they went and got Russell Wilson. But the sad thing is, I don't think he's been the best available ever in his career. His defense was the best available whenever he's winning Super Bowls. And his coach was better than most in terms of being available. But Russ is a system quarterback. And Nathaniel Hackett, the only system that uh, he has is is his nervous system, which he obviously doesn't trust, the way he calls plays. Um, I'm not going to say Russ is cooked because I've, I've I've reserved that for very few players. But Russell Wilson's not good right now, and it's very hard to go from good to bad, back to good, to quote Emmanuel Acho, a man that I don't like most of his takes. But that one's true. Uh, throughout the history of football, there's only been like one or two players that have gone from good to bad to good at the quarterback position. And the only one that I can remember is Kurt Warner. Outside of that, Russ is in unprecedented territory. And if he is going to follow the precedent the history has sent, the Denver Broncos have set their franchise back 10 years minimum because the out doesn't come until like next year or the year after. And they already moved like three first rounders. And who's to say they wouldn't be better off with freaking Drew Locke at this point? Because at least Drew Locke's cheap. At least Drew Locke helps you bottom out. At least with Drew Locke, you have your draft pick. You're telling Drew me CJ Stroud. 
Drew Locke could be three and seven for two hundred fifty million dollars less. And that's the thing. Drew Locke gives you the opportunity to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Now you're going to watch as the Seattle Seahawks might have the opportunity to get one of those two because you messed it up. And I would lo- I would love for that to happen. I want Geno to get an extension. I would hope Geno can play more years out in Seattle. But if Seattle gets the opportunity to get their next franchise guy, why not? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and I'll see if you agree. Right now it has them mocked at five, okay, mm-hmm. which is accurate. That, that's just where they'd be picking. Their mock pick is Will Levis. I hate that. If I'm okay. so out on uh, Zach Wilson to say the team should pick Will Leva, Levis in the uh, first round, uh, in the top 10 would be a reach. Um, Hendon Hooker is officially off my first round list because of the ACL tear. It's not going to be good for him. Yes, yeah, super, super unfortunate for Hendon Hooker. I, I thought he could have gone maybe in the late first round. But, yeah, with that torn ACL, he's going to fall down. Extremely. He's going to be like third, fourth rounder, probably day two, day three yeah. pick. Best case scenario. Be extremely great value for somebody, but yeah. you just can't spend a high pick on him at this point. Best case scenario, what they should – I think Bryce Young probably goes first, depending on who's picking. I think Bryce Young – as good as CJ Stroud has been, there's questions about him playing in colder weather. There's questions about his motivations. And Bryce Young's been the dude. He came in, he was electric whenever he first started. Um, I think Levi's is going to make it really unfortunate for the team that's going to take the second quarterback off the board. And I think teams are going to get cute. And depending on need, I think CJ Stroud, if, if the uh, Seahawks are picking top five, why wouldn't? If C.J. Stroud falls to number five, I think he could be a Seattle Seahawk. Genuinely. Oh, for sure. But also at that point, you could take a good uh, tackle in Skaronsky. You could take Miles Murphy, Jalen Carter if he falls. Because uh, I think Will Anderson would be gone before the fifth, I think. Will Anderson's either going to go first four. or second. I think he's first, second, or third. There's no yeah. variation where he's not a top three pick. I just think there's better talent at, at better positions that you could use for the Seattle Seahawks rather than taking Will Levis at fifth overall. Um, well, if, if, sure. Stra- if Stroud falls to wherever Seattle is. If Stroud somehow falls to fifth, sure, I'm down for it. I'm I have this mock right here where he's going seventh to the Colts. Which... I don't see how Bryce Young and CJ Stroud leave one and two with the current construction of the first two overall picks in Houston and Carolina. Yeah. It's well, as simple as that for me. Nobody thought Justin Fields was going to drop past uh, the top 10. At least I didn't Fair. think so. Like Justin Fields has been everything that CJ Stroud was minus the accuracy. Stroud's been incredibly accurate. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I think the Seahawks can come out really good. And they still have some of those. Uh, well, they've recouped whatever it was those Jet, Jets picks were for the Jamal Adams deal. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Because if the Broncos bottom out, this Seahawks team is going to be really good next year in a way that I didn't expect, especially even this year. Speaking of being really good, uh, go ahead, Austin. Let it out. Um, well, um, we, and by we, I mean the Dallas Cowboys, um, beat the hell out of the Minnesota Vikings um, dominated them from the start till the end. 
CBS cut it off in the third quarter. Um, this game was never close at any point. Um, it, it was tied at, at the opening kickoff, um, so that was probably good for the Vikings. Um, but after that, it, it was just about over after the Micah Parsons strip sack. Um, look, I, I'm not going to fault the Minnesota Vikings at all. They, they've had two bad games all season, and they've been the heart attack kids in every other game. Um, sometimes these things happen. And Kirk not playing in the one o'clock slate of games in the Eastern time slot is uh, just different. Uh, the later it gets, the worse he gets. And he must have thought it was a primetime game today or something. Um, so it's not his fault. Actually, it's really not his fault because let me tell you this. Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, when he was running for his life on a consistent basis, faced a 37.5% pressure rate. Kirk Cousins faced 63% pressure rate on Sunday. My man never had any time to do a damn thing, let alone read the field to see who was open. Granted, they're down one of their better tackles in Christian Derrissaw and really kind of holding that together with paper mache at the moment. Never at any point did anything get going for the Minnesota Vikings. And they were just absolutely dominated on every single front of the game, regardless. Kirk Cousins threw for 105 yards. They brought in Mullins at some point um, because I wasn't watching the game anymore um, because it just never came up on Red Zone. And I can't pull it up because CBS turned it off anyways. Uh, TJ Hawkinson led with 34 yards. Justin Jefferson had three catches for 33 yards. There's not there's not a whole lot to say here. The Vikings are still 8-2. and two. They're still in a great spot. They still lead their division by leagues. They're going to host a playoff game. They are going to be just fine. Getting humbled at home sucks, but this is a great bounce back for the Cowboys um, in terms of everybody kind of thought we were going to lose this game after the way we played against the Packers last week. Um, Tony Pollard is going to suck to see him in a different uniform next season, but boy, is that dude a damn good football player. Uh, six receptions for 109 yards, add on 15 carries for 80 yards. Um, Ezekiel Elliott came back and stole two touchdowns, so shout out for Zeke uh, getting some touchdowns in there. But Dak Prescott, 276 and two touchdowns, only missed three passes all day. Um, greatest quarterback in Dallas Cowboys history, according to most fans in the first Seven weeks of the season, Cooper Rush came in for four completions for 31 yards. So Cooper Rush getting the getting the work in for his playoff run uh, later this season. Uh, but yeah, I, what do you want me to say? We, we beat the crap out of them. We move on. I think I picked the Vikings for this matchup. And to be honest, um, it's a trap game for the Vikings. They came off their Super Bowl this previous week, beating the Bills the way that they did. They were kind of destined for a letdown, and we kind of forgot how good this Cowboys defense is after the Packers beat them. Micah Parsons is a defensive player of the year candidate every time he steps on the field. He is that good. And Kirk Cousins was pressured at a rate of 65% this week. Um, to put that into proper context, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Bucks was pressured at like a 35% uh, rate in that game. And it looked like he was getting hit every play. So Kirk Cousins played under some of the worst conditions a quarterback has had to deal with in recorded memory. Um, the Cowboys showed up and Minnesota just curled up. Um, they're eight and two. There's far worse places to be as a Minnesota Vikings fan. They're going to win this division. 
And I don't think it's going to come down to being that close. And the Cowboys got a much needed victory whenever they're trying to pace with a team in uh, Philadelphia that still holds a two, two game lead to this point in the year. And I agree. Tony Pollard will make a, another franchise extremely happy because Zeke makes a lot of money and the Viking and the Cowboys have a lot of money tied up. Yep. Bengals Steelers. Too close for comfort, man. I know Jamar Chase is out, but this defense has to play better. Burrow throwing two picks is interesting, um, but four touchdowns. Uh, Joe Mixon went out early with a concussion. T. Higgins, nine catches for 148 yards. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan blowing up on waivers and benches for three touchdowns. Um, trying to mimic the mixing game from a couple weeks ago. Um, Najee Harris got two touchdowns, so that saves his value for the week of, you know, his 10 yards uh, every single week thus far. Kenny Pickett looking a little better each week. Didn't turn the ball over. 25 for 42. So not the best completion percentage, but 265 and a touchdown. Moved the ball pretty well. Um, George Pickens had a really bad drop. That was basically a touchdown. That could have put them in a nice spot as they were trying to play catch up a little bit. Uh, Pat Fryermuth really coming out to be one of the better tight ends in the league. Eight receptions for 79 yards. Steelers really came out to play this game. They played really well, I think, um, but their defense, you know, just got their got their asses kicked by by Piran. TJ Watt had a week. He had an interception off of Joe Burrow. Um, the Steelers are plucky. Kenny Pickett's not my first choice at quarterback, but he doesn't turn it over that much. Or whenever he doesn't, he doesn't turn it over that much. He, he had a decent game, one touchdown. Najee really kept them in this game along with the defense, but the Bengals are just too talented. I think Tomlin's a better head coach than Zach Taylor, um, but a banged-up Bengals team is still better than the best version of whatever the Steelers are going to give us rest of season. They're just yeah. a team that lacks that identity on offense, and their defense is not what it was the last couple of years. And without an offensive line, I can't trust anybody behind the uh, line of scrimmage for the Steelers. Yeah, not a whole lot going on here. We talked about the Bengals along with the Ravens. The Bengals are right on the Ravens' tail, and it'll be a big matchup when they play. Um, I'm not sure when they play next, but um, that matchup coming up is going to be huge as long as those two teams keep winning. Okay, Devin. Breathe in. Breathe out. Anything you can do, I can do better. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are everything we thought they are. And it's not a surprise. Um, Brandon Staley's 10 years of Los Angeles Chargers head coach is mid. He's been average, slightly below it most weeks. Joe Lombardi, I'm surprised you're still employed. This is a team that over the last five weeks has had two touchdowns in the second half of those games. Justin Herbert has played through broken ribs. He's played with wide receiver two and wide receiver three. He had his top two threats uh, to start the game. He ended it with one of them. Uh, Joshua Palmer, have a day, buddy. Proud of you. Eight receptions, 106 yards, and two touchdowns. The Chargers did everything they could to win this game, and it just didn't matter. Sure, Herbert threw the pick to seal the game. Then again, the offensive line hung him out to dry most of this game, and the pass was tipped. To blame Herbert is like to I to blame Herbert is like blaming your car for failing you after getting you to work for six years without a single oil change if it breaks down. It's it, it's not the point. Without Justin Herbert, we are not in this game to start. 
this game was well in hand. We were up by, I believe, seven going into the second half. We could not score in the third quarter. And the Chiefs scored twice in the fourth quarter while we could only score once. You don't let Mahomes have time to finish the game. And it's as simple as that. This Chargers team comes out in the first halves, smacks teams in the mouth, and our offense, for some reason, gets lackadaisical and complacent. We scored. We put up points the first for the first five drives of this game. Every single possession scored points. We were literally going drive for drive with Kansas City, and I don't know what happened in the second half. I don't think Kansas City's defense is a world beater. They really haven't been this season, but as per trends, the Chargers lose in these one-possession games against the Chiefs because Andy Reid is a better head coach than Brandon Staley, and Patrick Mahomes, like it or not, has more help than Justin Herbert. Herbert has made some very ill-advised throws and some timely picks. First matchup of this year whenever he broke his ribs, the pick six cost us the game. Yes, but we are not within even shouting distance of this team without Justin Herbert. Eckler had a good game. Isaiah Spiller showed some life, even though it was four carries and 11 yards. This is a team that's fatal flaw is the defense, and it sucks because we have the defensive guru of the Los Angeles Rams, pre-Super Bowl, to be our head coach. It doesn't help that most of our defensive pieces are injured, but it also doesn't help that even before all of them were out, we were still one of the worst teams against the run, which is the same shit, different year. I've been a Chargers fan my entire life. This is the story of my life. Talented squads, underachieving, and that's that. Can they make the playoffs? Sure. Fully healthy, do I think they could have paced the AFC? Yes. But at this point, if the Chargers don't make the playoffs, Brandon Staley should be unemployed. Joe Lombardi should be unemployed because let's just call a spade a spade. Justin Herbert is probably the best value for what he is paid in the league right now. We've got like three years left of this. Actually, two after this year. There's two more years of the value you get out of Justin Herbert. And the Chiefs maximize that. Two Super Bowls in that rookie-scale contract. The Dolphins, they're maximizing it right now. And while the Chargers have weapons the and they mangle. have talent. Exactly. Because um, if the Chargers can't get it done with Herbert on his rookie deal, it's not going to get any easier. Because then the playing field's leveled. We're going to have to have similar pay scales at the other positions, like the Chiefs, like the Packers have been. It, it, it's it's not going to get easier from here. And just inherently, the defense has to be better. The special teams is finally fixed. We've had three different kickers, and the special teams is not our problem. It's the defense, and it's the play calling. If I had it my way, Lombardi would not be employed after this week. Herbert's had different coordinators every year of his career besides this year. This is the first time he's had the same coordinator in back-to-back years since he was in high school. But Lombardi just doesn't want to use him the way that he's supposed to be used. The first half, we were airing it out. It was a vertical offense, and it worked extremely well. What happened? What happened? And they won. The thing is, we lost the turnover battle, fumbles and interceptions. We had one more turnover, but we beat them in penalties. We beat them in time of possession. The Chiefs more the Chiefs won this game, sure, but at the same time, the Chargers lost this game. The Chargers should have won this game. For lack of better terms. They controlled the clock. The Chiefs outgained them, sure. And Isaiah Pacheco made us 
made us his child. Isaiah Pacheco should not average 7.1 carries against our defense. Travis Kelsey, three touchdowns is a lot. It's 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 just same stuff, different year, and it's it's exhausting. I'm gonna con- I'm gonna continue to pick them. There's a reason why I picked the Chiefs because I don't trust Brandon Staley in this organization to actually win games whenever they matter. But it's it's just frustrating. I was just looking up the stats to kind of back this up a little bit. And, you know, we've talked about Brian Dable all season and the Giants coming out, you know, losing at halftime and making second half adjustments. The Chargers are on the opposite side. They have failed to make good second half adjustments practically all year long. You beat the Raiders. You put up seven points in the second half against those Raiders to allow them to try and make a comeback because they put up 16 in the second half. You had a good second half against the Chiefs the first time, but the Chiefs put up 20 and you only put up 14. We won't talk about the Jaguars game. You only put up seven in the second half against the Houston Texans. You had a better second half than the Cleveland Browns, 13 over their seven. You only scored six against the Broncos in the second half, including nine if you want to count OT, but that was the game winner. That's all that matters. Against the Seahawks, you put up nine to their 13. Against the Falcons, you put up six to their seven, but you got out with a win. It, it the, the adjustments are not there. And you, I was getting on Brandon Staley a lot last year because he was being too aggressive for my liking. And that really has not been the case this year at this point. Now it's just, you're, you're banged up. You are absolutely annihilated across the board. Slater, Williams, Allen, everybody. Austin Eckler has basically been the healthiest guy on your team because even Herbert had to play with smashed ribs for five straight weeks or whatever it was. Um, your defense is annihilated outside of Khalil Mack, like you said. Obviously, there's a lot going into this. You're one of the most beat-up teams across the league, and that fucking sucks. It's terrible. The fact that you're not able to go out there and play to your full potential with your full players that you spent a lot of money on to compete this season in a tough division is shitty. But the second half adjustments statistically show they're just not there. This is a defense that went from being like second worst in terms of like rushing defense in the league to being the worst rushing defense in the league in terms of yards per carry. They allow 5.5 yards per carry over the entirety of this season. It's 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 laughable. Our, our biggest thing was uh, shoring up the run defense. And granted, we lost Covington. We lost Austin Johnson. We're down a lot of interior defensive linemen. But at some point, scheme has to kick in. You've built the roster. You've chosen the lineups. You have to have plan Bs. And now, he, now Staley's not even going for it on fourth down the way he was last year. Like I, he, he feels like a shell of what he was last year because I, I'll die on the sword of us losing because we went for it on fourth down here or on fourth down there, but we're not even going for it whenever usually you would think he would because like like last year, we lost to the Chiefs and we went for it late in the game, but at least we went for it. I, th- this team is just it's one step forward and two steps back. For the Chiefs, um, I think Patrick Mahomes is the MVP right now. He's playing out of his mind. Um, He has one of the best tight ends, the best tight end in the game right now, and one of the top 10 tight ends of all time um, once it's all said and done. Um, Like you said, Isaiah Pacheco has clearly taken over that backfield, 15 carries for 107 yards, um, shredding that defense that 
was supposed to be fixed. And, you know, I, I get you're frustrated. It's pure frustration sitting at five and five. Luckily, you still have a playoff shot right now at five and five. You're just behind those six and four teams. So you're still able to keep pace despite being hurt. So being healthy could really get the Chargers where they feel like they should be. And honestly, save Brandon Saley's job because you already don't like Joe Lombardi. You already don't think Joe Lombardi should have a job. If Brandon Saley misses the playoffs, it's time to look somewhere else, it feels like. Um, But for Mahomes, 329, three touchdowns. Um, he's fine without Tyree Kill. Don't know how many more times we got to say it. Kadarius Tony, who all the fantasy football analysts, including ourselves, were super high on, um, played like 10 snaps and then hurt his hamstring. So um, it do be that way that sometimes, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it do, in fact, be like that. <laughs> but I think that's all I got in terms of the games across the board. Do you have anything else for any of the week 11 uh the the Niners are thrashing the Cardinals kind of as we expected 31 to 10 right now Colt McCoy just obviously isn't getting a whole lot done um I just need him to feed Hopkins a little bit more and we'll be good to go that's all that really matters to me at this point (laughs) yeah the Niners are a far better team right now than the uh Cardinals are uh the Cardinals are a far worse team without Kyler Murray this is what we expected to happen Brandon Ayuk continues his uh great season so far and Debo even got got in on the action with the rushing touchdown so it's uh yeah, Ayuk, it, Ayuk has two receptions for 20 yards and two touchdowns McCaffrey's got seven for 67 yards Kittle's gotten the sprinkles of that in there Jimmy's having a day Jimmy's throwing the ball on time and he's getting touchdowns so Snyder's offense is what it's built to be it's efficient and it's talented and that's hard to beat most weeks yeah Definitely. Uh, And the thing, honestly, the worst thing about the Cardinals at this point is that um, Cliff Kingsbury probably gets to keep his job because he gets the backup quarterback excuse. Whereas, you know, we really don't think Cliff Kingsbury should have a job. (laughs) If if we don't think Brandon Staley should have a job at the end of the season, we haven't thought Cliff Kingsbury has deserved a job for the past 11 weeks. Well, you know, Cliff Kingsbury knows a lot about backup quarterbacks because he was one for most of his career prior to coaching. True. Granted, I've never been a backup quarterback in my life. I've never been good enough to even be thinking of being a quarterback. So shout out, Cliff, for uh, his – No, yeah, all the the superstars I create are starting quarterbacks immediately right out of college. So I don't don't toy with backup quarterback bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Predictions. Week 12. Full slate, which is weird to me because some teams still have buys coming up in 13 and week 14, I believe. So it's weird to me that nobody has a buy in week 12. Um, But nonetheless, Thursday night football. It's not Thursday night. Well, there is Thursday night football, but there's three um, Thanksgiving games. It is Thanksgiving. It is time to be thankful. Um, I'm thankful my team doesn't uh, suck and have the first overall pick. So... There you go. First team that always plays on Thanksgiving, the Lions. They host the Bills. Can the Lions win four in a row over the Bills? Probably not. I'm picking the Bills. No, I'm picking the Bills. <laughs> like happy Thanksgiving, but you know, you, you want to know what goes, goes good with Thanksgiving turkey? The Lions losing. It's like one thing that I've uh, counted on since like 2012. The Lions and Thanksgiving just don't equate to W's. The Dallas Cowboys host the New York Giants. 
taking after the Cowboys. What we just, yeah, after watching what we did in the Vikings, um, obviously the defense had been a little lackluster over the past couple of weeks against the Bears and the Packers. But if this defense is what we're going to get week to week, or even, you know, slightly worse, fine by me. Um, but we beat the Giants on Monday Night Football. Um, Wondell Robinson was a good weapon for Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is starting to show some cracks in the in the seams. So yeah, g- give me the Cowboys for the for the season sweep. Patriots Vikings. and Vikings. Vikings hosting the Patriots. Taking the Vikings. I think they're due for a bounce back. I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I don't think he's great. And I think the Vikings are going to have a really good bounce back game for the offense. The Patriots defense is good, but the Vikings have to get right this week. Because if they win this week and the Packers can't pull it out, I think they just basically lock up the division. It would take them losing every single game for them to blow it. Kirk Cousins in prime time is going to be a no for me, dog. As, as much as I wish it was a running joke, the stats just back it up. Kirk Cousins not playing at 1 o'clock? Give me the Patriots. Their defense is still a, a world beater right now. They've been playing really well lately. I think they do just enough to get the Vikings their third loss. I don't think Kirk, Kirk can bounce back in prime time. I'll tell you who isn't bouncing back, the Texans against the Dolphins. Yeah, I expect Tyree Kill to have 400 yards. <laughs> I think Tua might. Pa- I think Tua might break the single game passing record in this week because I don't think I don't think Derek Stingley's back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he missed this week. Let's see, Derek Stingley Jr. Da, 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 da. Injury. Let's see. For 13, he played on the 13th against the Giants. He had two combined tackles. So still dealing with a mild hamstring strain five hours ago. So I don't expect him to play if he's dealing with a hamstring injury. If that means Desmond King is the cornerback one going against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, Miami puts up 50 points. Yeah. I mean, I guess the worst rush defense in the league, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. are going to have a good time. Hell, give Tyreek Hill some carries. Get him those 400 yards. Yeah, Tyreek's on pace to break the single-season receiving record. He's not slowing down this week. Bengals and Titans. I'm taking the Bengals. As good as the Titans are right now, if Jamar Chase is back, that's a lot to contend with because never Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are firing at all cylinders. They're one of the hardest teams to try and beat. And could be a revenge game for the Titans. Don't get me wrong. They lost this team in the playoffs, and I'm sure they'd love to get them back. But... Wanting something and getting it are two different things. Fair. I'm going to go with the Titans. Um, I think their pressure is going to get to Joe Burrow. I think it's going to be pressure like he hasn't faced in a couple weeks, so it's going to be tough for him. I do not believe Jamar Chase is going to be back next week. I I find it difficult for him, for me to believe that he's going to go from crutches to playing instantly without practicing. I feel like I, I just can't see it. I and if he does play, it's got to be a snap count. It's, I just feel like they can't risk that. And I know they didn't put him on the IR. And if he misses four straight games, it'll kind of look dumb if they didn't put him on the IR because they could have had an extra slot. But I just – I'm going to go with the Titans. I think their pressure is absolutely insane. I think their defense has been really good. 
Um, Cincinnati's defense has been a whole lot better, especially against the run as well. Um, or against quarterbacks. I'm not sure what the run defenses look like, but hard to take rush to defense into account when Derrick Henry exists. Um, cause he just doesn't make sense as a human being. So I'm gonna go with the Titans. Game of the week. Broncos Panthers. I can't. I'm picking the Broncos, and I mean this with like the most, the least amount of sincerity, sincerity humanly possible. I'm picking the Broncos to win, but more so, I'm picking the Panthers to lose. Um, the Panthers are not good. Baker Mayfield is not good. The Broncos are not good. Russell Wilson is not good. Head coaches both suck. At this point, America loses, but I think the Broncos defensively are good enough to keep Russ from rushing too hard. Is there anybody in this game that's good? Pat Sertain? About it. Yeah. I think you said it best. We're not so much picking the Broncos to win as we are picking the Panthers to lose. Uh, obviously, the Broncos' defense has been one of the best in the league. So, really, Russ has to put up 10 points. And I feel like they'll be just fine after that. Obviously, fit, fit like a defensive touchdown or something, and you'd be good to go. Um, but, yeah, Baker Mayfield playing against one of the best defenses in the league. It, the Panthers lose every time. At this point, when does Sam Darnold get reps? I feel like Sam Darnold deserves like a game at this point. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Bears and Jets with the possibility that Justin Fields might not be able to play due to a dislocated shoulder. And not know who's going to start quarterback for the Jets either. I'm going with the Jets. I think the Bears would be dumb to roll Justin Fields out there after a dislocated shoulder like that. I think you give him a week or two to rest, especially with the bye week coming up. And you don't have to win games. You're not catching Minnesota. And what's the point of beating up on Green Bay and beating them in the rankings? Green Bay's been kicking your ass since before I was born at this point. Um, the, the The Bears have upside now. And that is intrinsically tied to Justin Fields and what he can do for this offense. You want to keep him as healthy as possible for the next couple of years. So tank, be bad, get a high draft pick, help yourself because nobody else is going to help you in this division. The lions are bad, but they're also good. The Packers are bad. The Packers are good, but they're also bad. The Vikings are just good. The bears could be the worst team in this division and still have more upside than the other two. So let Fields rest. Lose a couple games. Bank on a higher draft pick. What's stopping you? Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, even if Zach Wilson started this game, the Jets are, are just... Trevor Simeon most likely should start this game. Like you said, Justin Fields should not see a snap next, next week. Um, to risk his overall health, especially in a shoulder is absolutely the stupidest thing Matt Eberflus could do. And I'll give credit to Matt Eberflus. He's called some good games this season. They are 3-7, and seven, but he has looked much better as a head coach than some of his contemporaries who have been hired this season and just than I thought in general. So, But I will take the Jets. Uh, Falcons and Commanders. I, commanders? 
Commanders. I'm going I Commanders. Uh, Taylor Heineke needs some new Jays. Is what I'm going to say. He wants some <laughs> new shoes. There you go. Bucks and Browns. The the Browns. I'm going Bucks. Um, oh, the the, uh, the the Bucks. My bad. I'm crazy. Yeah, I'm going Bucks 100. I, I I don't see and George Kittle with the second touchdown. Why couldn't you be Debo Samuel? Why? <laughs> they are just annihilating. 38 to 10. I just need a little bit more D hop uh, garbage time, and we will win our league this week. The podcast I'll take it. will. The pun we we may have caught up. Uh, it's close. Um, Ravens and Jags. Ravens. I don't think there's much really argument there between either of us. Mm-mm. Not at all. I can't lie. I cannot tell a lie. Raiders and Seahawks. Seahawks. Um, the Raiders are good at defense. But the Seahawks are better. Are the Raiders good on offense, not defense? But the uh, yeah, the Seahawks are also better. So yeah, I I would definitely take the Seahawks team over them. I think Ken Walker is going to do bad things to the Raiders next week. Bad bad things. Chargers yeah. and Cardinals. Chargers, please and thank you. I would love for that to happen. Kyler Murray could miss another game. So especially if you're facing Colt McCoy, you cannot lose this game. Yeah. If you're facing Kyler Murray, you still can't lose this game. The Chargers have to basically win out in order to try and uh, salvage whatever the season is. And if they started off by losing to Colt McCoy, um, I think people are going to start losing their jobs. Oh, Genuinely. 100%. 100%. Um, Saints and Niners. The Niners. Especially after what we're watching today. This is, this is a beat down of Arizona. They're going to destroy the New Orleans Saints. I agree. Rams and Chiefs. It's Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the planet. Andy Reid's a great head coach. Aaron Donald can't cover Travis Kelsey. I don't think Jalen Ramsey can either. So yeah, I yeah. It'd be hilarious to watch though. Let me tell you, just Travis Kelsey and Aaron Donald going at it. Two behemoth of men. Mm-hmm. Packers and Eagles for Sunday night football. Can the Packers run the FC East? I'm I'm taking <laughs> taking the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh Phillies answered every question that I've had this season and them coming out of that Colts game is impressive and the Colts aren't that they're, they're worse than the Titans sure and Packers couldn't beat the Titans, but I I just think especially with the secondary that the uh, Philadelphia Eagles currently have. I, I would I would like to believe that they can withstand whatever Green Bay has in store for them. Last but certainly not least, Monday Night Football. The Colts host the Steelers. I'm going Colts out of just nothing but respect for Jonathan Taylor. Um, as bad as the Colts are, the Steelers are just as bad and they have a worse offensive line. 
DeForest Buckner's yeah. a big human being. Stephon Gilmore covering whoever it is he's tasked with is really good. Yeah, I just across the board, Jonathan Taylor is the the truth for sure. Jeff Saturday's been. I keep saying Jeff Saturday like he's actually been giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor has just gotten more carries since Frank Reich left, and that's all that really matters to me. Um, but I think the Colts easily can pull that one out for sure, especially if Matt Ryan can duplicate what Kenny Pickett did. I think they'll be just fine. Um, but that is it, son. We've made it to the end of a wild week 12, and it's going to be even or wild week 11, and it's going to be wild next week once we get more storylines out of uh, the Jets, the Bears, what Thanksgiving is going to do. Um, for everybody who celebrates across the United States, across the world, uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving on Thursday. Go see your family. Go have some turkey. Eat whatever your favorite sides are. Um, and just enjoy a day off from work because that's what I will be enjoying the most along with uh, family and food. Devin? Yeah, no. Um, regardless of how your teams play, uh, this is one of the best weeks of the year because you get to spend it with those that matter the most to you. So just uh, taking this Thanksgiving, uh, allow it to uh, have the full effect, you know, t- to take a second, take a step back and just be a- appreciative of what you have and uh what it is you stand to appreciate. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We're thankful for everybody for tuning in. Everybody that asks questions, tunes into our uh, start sit shows, all of that. We are 100% happy that uh, everybody's been enjoying us this year and joining us. So bottom of my heart, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there and uh, just, just be smart, be safe. That is all I got. And if that's all you got, then you can, Hit them with your favorite words. From me and Austin to all of you, we'll catch you after the uh, turkey's uh, going to gobble, gobbledygoo. So, uh, peace.